Welcome to the Davy Tree Expert Companies podcast, Talking Trees. I'm your host, Doug Oster. Each week, our expert arborists share advice on seasonal tree care, how to make your trees thrive, arborists' favorite trees, and much, much more. Tune in every Thursday to learn more, because here at the Talking Trees podcast, we know trees are the answer. This week, the topic is so important, I've got two guests. Lou Meyer, who has been on the show many times, is original business developer in the Maryland and Washington, D.C. area for the Davy Tree Expert Company. And Rob Dahlman is a district manager in the Chesapeake office for Davy. How are we doing, guys? We're doing great. It's a beautiful day in Maryland. The sun is shining. The grass is green. Yes, sir. Excellent. Thank you for having us. Great to be here. We're talking about what's growing on my tree. And I want to start with I think is going to be the number one question you guys get is what is this green stuff that looks so scary on my tree? Yeah, we get that question all the time. Rob, do you want to field that one? Or you may start. Sure. Yeah, I'll start. I mean, it's not always green. I'm looking at a maple tree across the parking lot here and uh, it's got yellow lichen on it. And that's one of the most common uh, epiphytes that people see on their trees, at least in our area. Um, I was down in Florida over the winter, and they've got some hanging mosses. And, of course, depending on where you're from, you may have Spanish moss if you're from the south. But, yeah, there's a variety of mosses and lichens and things uh, that we call epiphytes that live on the bark and in the crevices of trees. Yeah, and lichens are really interesting. Lichens are possibly the original symbiotic relationship. They're actually a... a there are actually two organisms, fungi and algae, that have teamed together. The algae photosynthesizes to create the food, and the fungi gives the algae structure to hold on to. So they both support each other in that way. Um, pound for pound, it's the most abundant life form on the planet. Uh, so you can find lichen on trees. You could find it on cemetery headstones, on coastal stones. Uh, it grows on metal sometimes. It's, it's everywhere. Um, and it's it's important. It's very important. Actually, on I've read recently on uh, stones that over a very long period of time, it will help to create soil. And uh, that nitrogen fixing that Lou was talking about that can actually be from uh, a bacteria or a fungi living with the, with the algae and the lichen uh, is part of the building blocks of living soil that creates ecosystems. So if it is on my tree, should I be concerned? Yeah, that's the question we get the most. And the answer is absolutely not, um, not because of the lichen. So lichen itself and algae and moss, they don't have roots. Um, they don't dig into it. So moss is a non-vascular plant with no roots. Uh, they're just there for support. Now, if you see a lot of lichen on your tree, it could be a sign of other issues. So people generally see a lot of lichen on a tree and they say, oh, the tree's failing because of the lichen. You see more lichen on trees that are failing because it needs sunshine. And when the canopy of a tree is in trouble and it is not as thick as it should be, when it's a sparse canopy, more sunlight is hitting that trunk, allowing for a more positive uh, living space for that lichen so it flourishes. So. It's, it's easy to make that correlation. Oh, there's a lot of lichen. It must be killing my tree. No, what's killing your tree is allowing more lichen to grow there. 
Um, also, you see it more on older trees, which generally have more issues. And the reason why you see it on older trees is because they generally have more fissured trunks. So the trunk isn't that smooth bark of the young tree. And that allows more uh, pore space for the lichen to grab onto that tree and hold on to it. There's also an association with water, with moisture levels. And so again, like on a dying tree that has decaying sections, there's gonna be more moisture soaking in available. Of course, with a sparse canopy, you get more rain water on a tree. That's also why uh, older trees, they've been there for a longer period of time. The lichen or mosses have had more time to develop and uh, they're absorbing or taking more rainwater and, and uh, directing it down to the trunk of the tree, which one of the things I've heard, this is not, I don't know whether it's confirmed by empirical studies, but um, as the water is funneled down the tree, like I said, the, the lichen are nitrogen fixers and, and moss as well. There's some dynamics going on there with uh, the, the uh, mineral nutrients and essential oils that they're producing. So one of the things that I've read is that uh, as that water is directed down the trunk of the tree in that funnel effect, right to the base of the tree where the most absorptive area, where the most roots abound, uh, the water, the rainwater is absorbing micronutrients and essential oils from the lichen and the moss, which then gets right into the base of the tree, right into that fibrous root area. So is the nitrogen fixing, is that what the symbiotic thing is? Well, is that, the, is that the, what the lichen, lichen itself, the lichen itself is a symbiotic organism. So like Lou said, it's either a fungi with algae or a bacteria with algae. And um, it is symbiotic in and of itself. And then I would say okay. in, in that case for the tree, between the tree and the lichen, the lichen obviously is living on the tree. And if it's true that it's giving back these micronutrients, then yes, that would be at, at the very least a mutual, mutually beneficial relationship, if not completely symbiotic. Interesting. Uh, Rob, you mentioned moss. Now, if I see moss on my tree, what does that mean? And is it always on the north side? It's definitely not always on the north side. That was going to be the first thing that I said. Uh, it's more closely associated <laughs> with the north side because of the sunlight and moisture levels. Um, you know, those areas are going to be uh, more shady and not uh, are going to be moister because of the shade. And so that's where um, a more beneficial area for the moss to grow. Um, I think you had asked about whether moss growing on the tree, you know, is associated with anything negative. There's some, some people that have said that it is, in my opinion, and in our general, um, general understanding is that it's really just there for its most, mostly for its own benefit. And there might be some, uh, correlation between, uh, moss with the, with the micronutrients and essential oils kind of just benefiting the tree by being there not really intentionally necessarily, but just uh, by their presence. So when people ask me how they get rid of their moss and I tell them, don't love your moss, I'm saying the right thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I primarily hear that question about people with their lawns. 
And that's usually associated yeah. with trees again because of the shady and moist environments. But uh, as far as trees go, um, I'm generally not concerned about it at all. Again, like what Lou said, it might be something that we look for as sort of a corollary factor or secondary factor where if the tree has been damaged or is in decline, then we have to sort of address that. But uh, we typically don't address the moss at all. It's, it's also a part of the environment, the ecosystem, and, you know, all, that whole web of things that, um, that come in, that come with the natural world. So, Lou, when you think about the question, what's growing in my tree, what else are customers concerned about or well, things that you see out there? Yeah, they're going to see things like fungus. And when you see fungus growing on a tree, that's usually a little more serious of an issue. Um, most of the fungi that you see, and it's, these aren't toadstool mushrooms coming out of the ground like Mario Brothers. These are uh, conchs or shelf fungi growing out of the side of the tree. Those are saprophytic, which means that they feed on decay. The mushrooms themselves, the, the, the uh, hyphae that are in the tree, they're not necessarily killing the tree, but they're feeding on that decay inside of the tree. There are fungi that do kill trees. Uh, canker fungi comes immediately to mind. So hypoxylon canker is killing a lot of oak trees. Um, those are fungi that get into the vascular system of the tree and feed on the sugars. But by and large, the ones that you see on the side of the tree or coming out of the root base of the tree, those are those are signs of internal decay and, and real uh, red flags for us in the industry. You had to bring up canker, didn't you, Luby? I have a big oak right over my garage, and my local arborist from Davy, he looked up at it and he said, did that thing leaf out last year? And I said, I think so. And he came and looked at it this year. It's got to go. <laughs> yeah, hypoxylon yeah, canker is a fast-moving disease it's everywhere i mean it's part of the the um you know the particulates that we breathe on a daily basis trees have health systems so they uh try and fight it off but if a tree's health system is in decline um, and this is the same for almost any most diseases or pests out there uh the trees if they're in, if they're affected because of drought or overwatering or undernourishment or a variety of other reasons that's when opportunistic pests and diseases like hypoxylon really take hold and take out the tree. So, you know, your next question is probably going to be, how do I fix that? <laughs> is healthy trees fight off those diseases easier? Oh, I know how I'm going to fix it. Davey's going to come with a bucket truck and cut down that giant oak tree. Yeah. And yeah. Then it'll be fixed. <laughs> exactly. It's at that point. It's, it's far too, too gone to really fix, but to prevent it, uh, you know, plant health care, fertilization, proper watering, proper feeding, mulching and the rest. And also something that I'm very passionate about that we see all the time. It's it goes back to the beginning, either a young tree that's planted properly or whenever construction, if it's a newer development, you know, as arborists, what we're dealing with is trees in typically urban settings. You know, arboriculture almost always is urban forestry. And these are trees usually in islands, there's in parking lots, they're next to houses. Uh, you put the new pool in, you install the playground, the shed, uh, a, a very uh, 
common thing that we're seeing more popularly now, zip lines, or, um, you know, I have a friend, he lives down in Virginia. He installed like a climbing system into his beech tree and drilled right into the tree. And I had to educate him that that was not uh, a particular, you know, trees are wood, but, and before they're wood, before they're made into lumber, they have a living vascular system. And anytime you're drilling into it, bumping the base, destroying the root system, that's going to allow for these pathogens and uh, diseases to get in there and, and do their, their work, which really hypoxylin canker and uh, with oak tree, oak decline in our area in the mid-Atlantic, we're seeing hypoxylin canker and uh, two-line chestnut borer or ambrosia beetles. Those things really are there to recycle a dying tree to put it back into the forest system, into the soil system to be food for the next generation of trees. So if, if I'm looking up at an oak tree and I see these big orange shelf mushrooms growing about 20 feet up in the air, something's rotting there. Is that right? Yep. <laughs> yeah, I can't guarantee it, but yes, the chances are very good. That is a sign of rot within the tree. Yeah, it could be superficial, you know, relatively superficial. It could be an old wound. Sometimes what we see, you know, whenever we're doing pruning cuts, we are wounding the tree. And if it's a more substantial limb that we might be removing, again, for the house, again, you know, more and more popular solar panels. But I don't think it's a good idea to remove a large diameter limb. And we see sometimes decay mushrooms growing on the open wound because that's exposed wood there. And so the decay mushroom is going to find a nice place to live there. Uh, sometimes a tree can seal that up if it's vigorous, but uh, a large wound like that is going to be difficult to seal up. So sometimes it's superficial, but more often than not, you know, it, it, it at least requires closer inspection. You guys are filled with good news for me. <laughs> we bring it. So uh, at the top of the show, I, I said the topic was so important that we had two guests, but you guys just happened to be together today. Talk a little bit about why you were working together and, and a little bit about your jobs and how they work with each other. Sure. So my role as a regional business developer is I uh, communicate and work with large properties throughout Maryland and D.C. Uh, for instance, we're at an HOA right now. Um, town homes, probably about 90 units, and they have Oh, 120 to 150 trees uh, under their under their management. So I go out and I look at those and I come up with canopy management plans. I map them, uh, come up with priority levels for how we address it to help those large properties manage those massive canopies and the budgets that they're constrained to. HOAs, commercial sites, government sites in DC. I do a lot of those. Um, and so once I put together that plan, I then hand them off to the local offices like Rob. Yeah. So Lou communicates with me. He tells me what he's got going on. He, in this case, asked me to, to meet him on the property. We walk around, look at all the trees that he's designated for some type of work. And of course, uh, that could be in the most, for most cases, we're getting the high priority work. So these are trees that have already been stressed and are dead or on the verge of death or potentially hazardous, or they have deadwood over parking areas. That's extremely common. And, and in this case, you know, this, this uh, community was probably built in the 80s, and that's usually what we see. We also get 
um, communities that are newer, where they had tree preservation plans and then also had to install a bunch of young trees. So we may do some uh, some cabling or pruning for large for the large trees and care for those large trees, but then also that preventative maintenance, that upkeep, uh, plant health care items for the younger trees that have just been transplanted into this you know new environment. Um, so basically, we're going over everything, and I'm assembling uh, a plan in my mind of who's going to do the work and what equipment we need, and then we execute it. And oftentimes I see, and we've, I've talked about this with Arborist all the time, in new construction, things planted in the wrong spots. In what you guys are doing, are you seeing that where the stuff's too close to the house, or has it been planned out pretty well? Well, a lot of times the developer's hands are tied by the layout, or the, the landscaper's plans are tied by the layout of the site. Um, and that goes way back to zoning and planning far before ground is broken. I mean, you can say that about street trees that are planted in three-foot swales. Uh, you know, put a tree wherever you can. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, I, there is a lot of planting too close to buildings, too close to sidewalks. But again, when you have limited space and you got to put a tree in, um, you got to put it somewhere. So it's our job on the back end to try and manage that the best way we can. Let's talk again about lichens. I know you don't need to remove them, but is there is there a reason you would want to get them off your tree? And if you did, how would you get them off? Yeah, for aesthetic reasons, sometimes people want them removed. If that tree is the centerpiece of your property and you just don't like the way it looks with lichen or algae on the trunk, uh, you know, trees can be accessories to a property as well, and they provide aesthetic value. In that case, um, you can use a copper-based fungicide to help kill the the, the lichen, the, the fungi aspect of it, um, and then the, the algae will fall right off. You can also use some soaps to soften it up and then a natural bristle brush to remove it uh, if you can reach it. What you absolutely don't want to use is a coarse bristle brush or a power washer, anything that could damage the bark of the tree. The bark of the tree is like our skin. It's the first line of defense. So you don't want to break the bark. You know, one thing that came up on the podcast uh, about a month ago, I think, was about Davey being employee owned. What does that mean for you guys? Well, one of the main things that it means for me is that over the course of uh, now going on 12 years, I went from being a, a ground level worker, you know, dragging brush with minimal, I had climbed at a professional level, but not nearly uh, with the scientific knowledge and the skill set that I then gained. So the emphasis on training that the company puts into building careers for employees. And then in the meantime, I've been able to invest in the company over the course of these 10 years, just a little bit at a time. And uh, through a, a ESOP program, um, you know, even just $25 at a time, and that builds up over the course of years. So it gives me, you know, the, the career mentality that I've had and my investment, not only um, in the company, but in the work that we're doing for the clients that we want to be Davy clients for life because we're Davy employees for life. And we're invested in the company and the company invests in us. Yeah, for me, it's the 
the biggest aspect for me is the company culture. It builds a sense of pride um, that I own part of this company along with currently 36 or 3,600 or 4,000 other folks or so. Um, and for every hour that I work, I'm getting paid an hourly rate on the front end. But on the back end, I know that because of my hard work, persistence and dedication to uh, representing the brand on the back end, my stock is growing as well. And it just makes it worth all that much more to me. Well, guys, I'm going to end it right there. That's great stuff. I appreciate all the information. That was a lot of fun, too, to talk to everybody again. And I'm sure we'll have an opportunity to talk soon. Thanks so much. It was a good chat. I would say that I'm liking it. <laughs> Thanks, Doug. Oh, ouch. Thanks, Doug. Ouch. Oh, Lou and his dad jokes, right? I can't wait to talk to those two again, and I promise you we will. Next week, I'll be interviewing Dan Herms, one of my favorite tree scientists. He'll explain the details of something called forest fragmentation. It's a fascinating subject, and I can't wait for you to discover the details from Dan. Now, tune in every Thursday to the Talking Trees podcast from the Davy Tree Expert Company. I'm your host, Doug Oster, and do me a favor. Subscribe to the podcast. We have fun as we cover these important topics. As always, we'd like to remind you on the Talking Trees podcast, trees are the answer. <laughs>